1: Schedule change. Uh, Tommy was going to be on on Thursday, back to his normal day, after requesting that he do Monday this week. But with the Brian Davis uh, interview this morning on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980 on the Sports Junkies, uh, Tommy's going to do the show with me today. And then I am taking a couple of days off, Tom. I am going up to New York for uh, a few days and part of the weekend. And I will be back on Monday. Um, And we will gear up for the NFL draft next week. By the way, is your schedule next week going to be Tuesday and Thursday?
2: My schedule next week? You know, let me check with my secretary first. Mm -hmm. Uh, My schedule next week will be Tuesday and Thursday. Did you pull
1: out a day timer to look at that? Like something straight from like 1990? a day timer? No,
2: I never had a day timer, but I used to carry with me a pocket, you know, calendar book mm-hmm. and I miss that. I miss having that.
1: I had a day timer forever and I kind of miss that too. But um <laughs> but it, because in addition to having, I mean now I, you know, we all put everything into our phones and you know, they're beeping right. noises all the time reminding us of what we uh, need to be doing but that day timer was as important to me for a several year period as my phone is now it had everything in it um and uh you know you could write a lot down and you know it was written down in day timers for me a lot tommy literally what directions from an airport to a meeting. You know, it was like I would be on the phone, had a meeting scheduled. Can you give me directions? Well, we can fax those to you or I can give them to you over the phone. Yeah, just give them to me over the phone. And I would write down, you know, the directions from the airport to where I was going because there was no GPS. There was no ways. you know. yeah, And by the way, I'd have to get a map. I'd bring a map with me everywhere I went. I'd always get a map from the rental car agency. You'd always grab a map, you know, heading out of the rental car agency, and k- so you could see where you were going. I think we talked about this recently. I feel like this is a repeat. Um, we do repeats a lot. Uh, by the way, you know, speaking of repeat, but it's a, it's an it's an absolute classic. Buck was on the radio show with me this morning, Steve Buckhance, and he yes. retold the story he's told many times because I reminded him. That it was 30 years ago, last month, that he broke the news about Joe Gibbs retiring. You knew that, of course, right? Yes. Oh, it sounds like you didn't know that. I just saw
2: that. Buck yesterday.
1: Yeah, I know. He told me.
2: I, I just saw Buck yesterday, yeah.
1: He told me at the Ernie thing, which now I definitely can't yeah. make because I'm actually on the air I know. doing radio. Um, but you you remember that Buck broke the story that Joe Gibbs was retiring.
2: Yes, I do. I remember that. What am I supposed to do? Play some kind of
1: music? No, it just seemed like the way you answered it initially, you were remembering. Is Kevin, do I remember this or not? Um, It was a big deal that Buck broke this story. You know, newspaper. Buck
2: also broke the story. Buck also broke the story, which was of more concern to me, uh, that the Bill Collins group had made a deal with the Houston Astros to move the team to Washington when Washington was looking for a baseball team. That was a big story at the time. And Buck broke that as well. well. And I remember being very disappointed that I didn't break that.
1: But it didn't actually happen.
2: No, it didn't happen. But that stadium got built in Houston because of it.
1: Oh, okay. Well, Buck, you know, you know Buck revealed something a few years ago that he didn't reveal for a long period of time it's it's you know as he said, the statue of limitations on my um, on my confirmation of my story um, was you know I finally revealed that several years ago. Buck was at champs all right the sports bar in Fairfax. After doing the 10 o'clock news, the sports on the 10 o'clock news on Channel 5, in early March of 1993, Jimmy Spiros, who's you know a longtime sports guy, football guy in town, was at the bar and said, Buck, have you heard? Joe Gibbs is retiring. And Buck's like, excuse me? So Buck you know, uh, got home late that night, tossed and turned. Buck usually doesn't get up before noon on most days. But he got up at 6 a.m. and he called Charlie Casserly. And this was the big reveal several years ago of how he was able to, you know, confirm the you know, the, the, the story that he had heard from uh, Jimmy Spiro's at Champions the night before. And Charlie was out swimming at 6 a.m., but he called back a half an hour later, and he said when he asked Charlie, uh, or told Charlie what he had heard the night before, he said there was a long pause, and then Charlie just said, Go with it. And Buck Buck was, like, stunned because, remember, that was a <laughs> shocking story. And Casserly, oh, my God, yeah. And Casserly just said, go with it. And Buck said, are you kidding me? And he said, here's what you say. You you say that Joe Gibbs is retiring for health-related reasons, but not anything that's serious health-related, and that Richie Pettibone is going to be named the new coach. And so Buck, wow. so Buck called, you know, the news desk at Channel 5, and they had the morning news show going on. And as I mentioned to Buck, Jesus, I mean, there's no way that they actually thought it was you calling at 625 because Buck's yeah. never <laughs> seen 625 in the morning. Um, and, uh, and he went on the air. And uh, he said, you know, they, they they then announced a press conference for later that day at 2 p.m. And Joe Gibbs had to come back from Richmond, where he was headed to. And Gibbs was not happy with Buck at all. Um, and it was the second time that Gibbs was not very happy yeah. with Buck. The, yes. the first time being before the nineteen ninety one season when Buck suggested that the Redskins were Super Bowl favorites and Gibbs said, "Well, where would you get that?" and Buck said, "Well, Playboy magazines picked you to win the Super Bowl." <laughs> to, to which Gibbs uh, famously responded, "Playboy? What? You, that's that's all you got to know. Playboy's predicting us to because Gibbs never wanted expectations ever." Uh, And, of course, Playboy was right. The 91 Skins uh, were the best, I think, one of the best Super Bowl teams of all time. Um,
2: Of all time, absolutely.
1: So uh, Buck told that story this morning, and it was a great story. I don't even know how we got on that. Uh, Let me read this um, review. Uh, It comes from 2508 Iceman. Great show I've listened since day one. Tom had it right back in 2019. The question was, how would Snyder be removed? And Tom said, the three S's, scandal, suspension, sell. And that is pretty much what happened. Closed quote. I don't recall you ever saying that. Do you remember saying that? Oh,
2: yeah. Absolutely. I do remember that. I do remember that's the pass for, the only path for a Snyder exit. Scandal, suspension, and then sell. And now he was informally suspended, but I definitely did say that.
1: So. Yeah, of course, he claims he was not suspended and made sure right. that, that people called people like you to say, uh, just understand, he wasn't fined, the team was, and he yeah. wasn't suspended yeah. at all. But yeah. um, the three S's, but scandal, suspension, and so on. I did, I did say so, that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there, there you go.
2: Because I mean, he wasn't going anywhere otherwise. I'm sorry. I mean, that, that's, you know, with that we got to this point, it's still remarkable. I don't, think, I don't think we stopped long enough and realize how fortunate, uh, if you're a Commanders fan, you are to have gotten to this point. Uh, because uh, he, he, he was a relatively young man, and there were no indications that he had any plans to sell the team ever.
1: I'm just surprised... 2508 Iceman had to remind us of this. I I can't believe that this hasn't been something that you've paraded around multiple times on the podcast over the last, uh, you know, six months.
2: We've had this discussion before. If I did that every time I was right, Mm -hmm. it'd be the Tom Valero show. It wouldn't be the Kevin Sheehan show.
1: What if you did that every time you were wrong?
2: Well, then then it'd be a two-minute podcast.
1: Right. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us. Also follow us. Uh, that's a big deal for us right now. If you follow us on Apple and Spotify, the follow button is on the right hand, uh, upper right hand corner of the Apple, uh, podcast screen and midway down the left hand side on Spotify. Um, I, am going to, we're going to get to Brian Davis, uh, and, uh, the, uh, interview that he did with the Junkies this morning here in a bit. And I've got some information on Hendon Hooker that I want to share with everybody as well. But I do want to start with this, Tommy. And I don't – look, I, I'm sick of of actually s- suggesting things to watch to you because, you know, if it's not your idea, then it's, you know, it's not worthy of anything. Um, but Cowboy Clay, Clarence Goldsboro, our good friend – uh, has been bugging me to watch this show on Amazon Prime and last night when the two NBA games uh, were going on that were blowouts and I had a winner by the way with Cleveland laying the number uh before the late night game which was a, another classic between I mean the playoffs have been so great so far between oh. between Phoenix and the Clippers Fantastic. I I watched I watched Jury Duty Have you heard about it?
2: No, never heard of it.
1: Jury Duty is on Amazon Prime, and the first two episodes of, I think, a six-episode season were hysterically funny. Kara and I were watching this last night. She goes, can we watch something other than basketball? And my oldest son was home before he went back to, uh, to L.A., um, actually, he's going to New York first. Uh, and he um, he's like, can, can we watch something? These games are blowouts. So we turned on. I said, well, Clay has been pushing me to watch Jury Duty. And he said it's mockumentary style. It's um, It was created by some of the people that were involved with The Office, like Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stepinski, who, by the way, were the two writers of the Dinner Party episode, Tommy. I'm pretty sure um, that's true. Um, and he said, "It's really funny." We watched the first two episodes. I, you know, I would have continued to binge it and would have finished it last night, but I, you know, I had to get to the NBA playoffs because they've been so rivet- riveting. And uh, yeah. and Clay, best recommendation you have ever given me. We were in tears, laughing, and I cannot wait to get to episode three, four, five, and six either tonight or tomorrow. Um, But I'm going to finish this one up pretty quickly. These are like 35-minute episodes. Hysterically funny. The idea, Tommy, is basically the setup of a jury for a trial where everybody, it's a fake jury, it's a fake trial. Everybody with the exception of one person is an actor. And this one person who's not an actor is not in on it. Uh, And that's all I'll discuss. Um, There's only one person who I think you've ever heard of who's in there, and he plays himself, James Marsden, who's uh, an actor that's been in several things, Um, but it is very funny. So there's your latest recommendation from the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast with Tom Lavero, and that is jury duty. Tommy won't watch it or if he does he'll watch it and he'll come in here in three weeks and say all right I got to tell you about a show I'm watching and he'll say you've got to watch jury duty and at that point I'll just say tell me about it I've never heard of it. Uh, that'll you know, you're so, that'll you're happen so, in three weeks.
2: So you, you have such a, a, a pathetic memory for a relatively young man and you, you, the way the way you twist things is just amazing.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> I
2: told you, I've told you numerous times. I don't even think it's on anymore because you screwed around and waited for a series that would that would, that could have been written by you. It was so it was you would have liked it so much. It was called Sneaky Pete.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. And it was
2: on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And said you wasted your time with Dungeons & Dragons
1: <laughs> instead of watching this great program. Actually, actually, Clay gave me that first recommendation before you did. He, he's oh, a big Sneaky, Sneaky Pete, Pete fan. Yeah.
2: Oh, I'm telling you, it, you could have written so many episodes. right? And I don't even know if they still offer it anymore uh, or not. But I'm going to watch Jury Duty. It sounds like something I'd like. I tell you what, I, I I I I finally got finished watching Fargo. I highly recommend Fargo, the series. Right. Really, really, really good. Uh, I've been watching Lucky Hank, the new Bob Kirk. Uh, you told me
1: about that. What's his name,
2: Kirk? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, o- Odin Kirk.
1: Yeah. Uh, series on
2: yeah. Uh, on. Yeah. It uh, the first episode was great. The rest of it's been kind of disappointing. It's uh-huh. not that great.
1: Did I tell you to watch Poker Face?
2: Yes, you did. I have not gotten to it yet. It's on my list.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. But I think
2: jury duty is going to take, take precedence over Poker Face. Right,
1: and and again, it's not about whether or not you know um, you actually watch it, which, yes, I did say something about that. But what you commented on there moments ago was me saying you'll probably come in in a couple of weeks and tell me about jury duty as if it's the first time i've heard of it because you've done that before.
2: I don't think i've ever done that before. Yes you have.
1: Yeah, we've had we've had we've had actually reviews that have suggested that you know you will mention things um that i've already talked about because as you described the other day, you don't really listen to me a lot of the time, which is fine. I know that.
2: But but um, but but, but, but you you're talking about specifically tv shows. And I never have done that about a TV okay. show. Jury- I may have blanked out on something else. Yeah, you know that 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 you said, uh, but <laughs> uh, not if you mentioned the TV show. I wouldn't come in three weeks later and say you got to watch this TV show. I think you've done that
1: before. Uh, jury duty. Oh, no, I haven't. Uh, jury duty. Everybody. Um, it's really it's really funny. I, well, let me just say this: the first two episodes were very funny. I'll get to episode three tonight uh speaking of recommendations did you um did you take my recommendation from the other day uh about watching any of the nba playoffs
2: well you know what i, w- I was at the nats game last night i went to see the nats orioles game Me- my first appearance at the park i i missed opening day the first time in probably 30 years i've missed an opening day and uh you know because then maybe orioles it it's it- it has a little bit more cachet to it than that's an Orioles game. It's and it game. was a relatively it was a good game, yeah. But uh the Nats can't score any runs. They lost one and nothing to a team that doesn't beat anyone one nothing. I mean the Orioles usually win, it's usually ten nine. Uh, but it shows how weak the Nats offense is. They're now five and twelve, uh, digging themselves into a grave that they, they they've got no way to get out of. Uh, and there were, you know, the, the crowd was, uh, a little bit less than I thought it would be, but I'm not going to come down on it. It was about 19,000 and it
1: was, it was,
2: but it was, it's a, it's a Tuesday night in April.
1: I know, but the you Orioles know, are good. Uh, the Orioles are good. But,
2: yeah, I know that. I know, but they're not drawing very well either, but the place was filled with Orioles fans. Right. There was orange everywhere, you know, and every time the Orioles did something, there was a huge cheer. I mean, but I'm not going to, again, as far as the crowd size, uh, 19,000 on a Tuesday in April isn't great, but it's not something to condemn them over. If it was the middle of June and they were drawing 19,000, then you've got a problem, which I think they're going to be.
1: Because schools are out and people have the ability to do it on a weeknight. So how fast was a one nothing game? Do you know what the time of the game was?
2: Now I don't offhand, but it wasn't as quick on, as you I'll, might think it was. I'll look it up. You know, there were there were uh, you know some some there there were some change pitching changes. Uh, you know, Josiah. Two Green hours thirty four minutes.
1: Two hours thirty four minutes. Really, no, it
2: seemed longer than that.
1: Well, that's not super long for a one nothing game in today's. No, it's not baseball.
2: No, it's not. Yeah, it okay. just seemed longer than that.
1: You can answer my uh, question.
2: What's your question?
1: What was my question that started this?
2: Oh, the, the NBA playoff. Yes. So after, after, after I, what did, where did I go after the uh, Nats game? Shelly's. Right. Shelly's back room, you know. Uh, and, and it was great because the place was filled with, there may not have been a lot of people at the Nats-Orioles game, but those that were went to Shelly's, <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. And on a Tuesday night at like 10 o'clock, the place is filled with, with, with people. And it was great seeing a lot of uh, uh, of people I know. Uh, but I was watching the uh, the Cavaliers-Knicks playoff game uh, yeah. from a distance, you know, yeah. on, on the bar TV while I was smoking a stogie. Oh, and right. was you, you, t- you
1: tweeted about it. I, I, I saw yes. somebody sent me the tweet you sent, and then I, yeah.
2: Yes, I was marveling at all the PhDs the Knicks had that you <laughs> talked
1: about
2: on on, on yeah. that team. Yeah. You know, all, all all those smart basketball players. I actually players. didn't say that about you the know?
1: Knicks. Um, I, I was. No, you
2: did. You said Julius Randall. You yeah, said Jalen right. Brunson. Oh, no, right. you went. You went through the whole roster, baby. Well, I mean, yeah, you. but
1: the Knicks wouldn't smart. be. The...
2: Oh, smart, high basketball IQ. Well, I call, oh, my God. Yeah,
1: but that, that 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 paled in comparison to my discussion of Draymond Green being a genius. So I guess that's okay. why I kind of forgot that, because Draymond Green yeah. is a basketball <laughs> genius, as I uh, emphasized to you the other day. Well, so is that – that's it. So from a distance in Shelley's. With a cigar in hand and in mouth, yucking it up with, you know, all the people, all, all the, you know, uh, 18,000 that came from Nats Park and and, and, and got to Shelly's with you. By the way, probably some excellent wine, some great peanut noir, um, along with an incredible <laughs> menu. Uh, you, you, you now are, you've weighed in. This is all you need to know what the NBA playoffs are about, right?
2: I gave the NBA playoffs the attention they deserved at this stage. You know, if it was the semifinals, Eastern Conference semifinals, or Western Conference semifinals, I might pay a little bit more attention. I probably will pay a little bit more attention. You know, but right now it's just a demolition derby with a lot of cars that can't run.
1: (laughs) Do you remember? I remember Saturday on Wide World of Sports, those demolition derbies. Did they get outlawed?
2: No, they still haven't. They haven't. I'll bet you at almost every county fair in the state, they have a demolition derby. Really? At some point. Wow. Yeah. They have them up in Frederick. I know they have it in Frederick County. during the. the uh, I know they have it during the county fair, and I think they may have it at some other places as well. Uh, I always wanted to drive in a demolition derby. You know, now I don't because I, I get hurt walking down the street, you know. But uh, there was a time where I really wanted to drive in a demolition derby. I thought that would have been pretty cool.
1: <laughs> you know, it's not exactly bumper cars, you know, on the boardwalk. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's I, I remember those things, and it, I just I can't remember the last time I actually saw it. Real quickly on the NBA playoffs, I think it's an absolute joke that Draymond Green got suspended. An absolute ridiculous, uh, d- d- you know, uh, decision you by it's Adam personal. Silver. It's
2: persecution of a genius.
1: Uh, well, I mean,
2: I mean, this is what happens to genius. They yeah. get persecuted,
1: or or you know, or, just... or they just cut their own hand off. Um, that happens sometimes yes. too. Uh, but I, yes. no. Did you, you probably you don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm sure Draymond Green the other night, I think appropriately got a flagrant two and got booted from the game. And it, we
2: talked we talked about it. No, we no, didn't. we didn't talk about it. I tweeted it.
1: Okay. I tweeted it
2: when when he got, when he when he did it. Right. I said, you know, this is the basketball genius that you spoke of. He right. could have been a team captain on those '70 Knicks
1: teams. <laughs> right. Well. So. He is going to be a a lock Hall of Famer when he retires. But um, I thought it was totally appropriate for him to get a flagrant two and to get booted from that game. Uh, and by the way, they, they hit um, Sabonis with a tech, and I thought that was appropriate. I thought it was p- handled perfectly. They really uh, punished Draymond Green, and by extension, the Warriors at the end of that game. They lost the game. They may have won the game had Draymond stayed in there. Uh, the defense went from being outstanding to not being able to get a stop once he left the game. And t- that was time served to me. Like, that made sense. Time served. Thrown out of the game, appropriately so. They lose the game. But you're just, and you're now, just looking and, and,
2: at it for that infraction. You're just looking at that infraction. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm considering, I'm considering history. I'm here. considering
1: history. I am. Well, that's
2: why he's out. No. First
1: track record. That's. I think that's why he got thrown out the other night. Uh, be, no. Yes. Joe
2: bar said that he's out. Because of the track record. Okay. That's the main reason.
1: Well, you know what? Is that what Joe Dumars said? Because I actually didn't read that. Joe Dumars actually said that he's been suspended because of the history rather than the actual event the other night.
2: The, the history was, was was the deciding factor in the suspension.
1: Here it is. You're right. Okay. His history for excessive acts, reason for suspension. Well, okay. Um God, 163 career technical fouls, 17 ejections, and now four suspensions. I'll yeah. tell you what. You know what? This is what happens with mad geniuses. I mean, they're unpredictable. Yeah. They are unpredictable. Uh, the series yeah. is over. You know
2: what? He's too smart for basketball. The series he's too is too over. Too
1: smart for basketball.
2: He should go. He should go find some a new line of work.
1: Tommy, because obviously, Tommy, he's
2: too smart I, to play basketball.
1: I'm not, enough, okay? Because. He is an incredible basketball player. And what makes him incredible is actually his basketball IQ. But he is uns. But, well, you don't. Well, you're being condescending, and you're being sarcastic, but I think you do know that about Draymond Green. He is just clearly emotionally unstable, as he's always been. It cost him a title the year he got suspended uh, in the LeBron series that they won in Cleveland, and it's going to cost him a first-round exit here because I don't think they can win without him. And if they do, I mean, they're playing at home. They're playing at home. Uh, if somehow they pull it off tomorrow night, it's actually going to be horrible for the Kings. You know what? Now that I think about the game tomorrow night, as we get into the NBA uh, playoffs in great um, detail here, because, I mean, I want to have a long conversation about the NBA playoffs with you. Uh, No. Uh, What I would say, though, as I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking out loud, Sacramento better win tomorrow night. If they can't win tomorrow night, against Golden State without Draymond Green, who you could argue is their most important player after Steph Curry, you could make that argument, Um, then they're in big trouble with him coming back in game four. They've got to bury them and go up 3-0. I actually think the pressure's on the Kings tomorrow night um, in that game. Uh, I I will say this, and I I know that you don't care, um, but, man... Watching Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook has been fascinating I, I in what, the first two games of this I, series. I,
2: I do enjoy watching Kawhi Leonard. I, he's a remarkable basketball player. He could play in any era, any time, on any team. Okay? Oh. I do like watching him. And I, I am amused by Russell Westbrook in that he is so, he's is he got so much pent up. He's got so much energy that, that – Sometimes even his mistakes wind up helping him. And he makes so many of them.
1: Uh, I mean, it's just so – I just love Russ so much. Like, I just love people that, that are that way competitively. He's – like we said – I've said many times, I don't think that I've ever watched a professional athlete that tries harder for longer than Westbrook. He, he never runs out of juice, ever. Um, and the other night, you know, I told you this. He missed 16 shots. He was three of 19. And of the 16 he missed, eight of them didn't even hit the. Eight of them didn't even hit the rim. And then last your night,
2: best, one of your best lines was comparing it to Michael Michael Scott's basketball game.
1: Yeah, it was. It was very much that. And um, last night, he shot it great. And then at the very end of the game, they cut it to six, and he had two totally inexplicable turnovers because he can just never slow down. Like when he was here in Washington, remember, like watching him more every night, I just said the biggest issue and the reason you can never win with him in the postseason as your best player is he's incapable of slowing down. And for as long as we've watched the NBA – And we have differing views of the NBA. But it doesn't matter because this has never changed. In the postseason, the game does become more of a complete game. There's defense and it slows down at times. And he's 100 miles per hour start to finish. Incapable of slowing yep. down, and at the end of the game last night, he had two really horrible turnovers, and he—I think he only had three or four for the entire game. He played; he was really good. Um, that was a—that was an excellent game. Devin Booker was unconscious uh, in the second half at twenty-five of his thirty-eight. Um, all right, so let's get to Brian Davis. We will start that, and I've got some Hendon Hooker stuff too. Uh, We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: 23, Brian Davis. I have, I have $20 billion in my holding company through my business. That's a fact. Whether you believe it or not, mm-hmm. it's up to you. Okay, but I don't want it. It's the NFL's job to make that decision. I don't want, I don't want people to, to issue statements about me having Saudi money or any of these things that are not accurate. My money comes from white people. White <laughs> you. I don't even know what that means, but okay. <laughs>
3: White people No let me finish Let me finish White people
1: Who are Jewish Who are Italian Who are Sicilian
2: White people Right And, And the NFL Will find that out It comes from white people Those are my partners
1: White people So what you heard there was Brian Davis being introduced as a Duke basketball player back in 1991. I mean, that was the Duke team that eventually went on to beat UNLV in that classic semifinal game, and then they won the title uh, beating Kansas and then would go on back-to-back the following uh, year. But um, that 91 uh, introduction was him in the ACC tournament final against North Carolina. And then you heard part of his interview this morning with the sports junkies where he tells everybody where his money's coming from. It's coming from white people. Not just white, but Jewish people, Italian people, and Sicilians, Tommy. So uh, he's got some big-time backing. Um, Brian Davis was on with the sports junkies this morning. I know you've listened to part of it. I sat there and listened to the whole thing um, because I was certainly interested to see what Brian Davis had to say. And the I'll just start with this and then you can um, weigh in. But the bottom line is, like, I think most people understand this to a certain degree. If you can't understand what somebody's trying to sell you, you probably shouldn't believe it or you definitely shouldn't buy it. And I was confused for 60% of the conversation with Brian Davis this morning on the junkies, I thought the junkies actually did a great job, um, and they allowed him to speak, and they, you know, they pushed him on on various things. But he tried to explain things that I, you know, I tend to have a decent understanding of these kinds of things, not an expert, um, and he lost me several times. If the odds on Josh Harris. Uh, getting the team were minus, you know, 8,000 before the Brian Davis interview. They're minus 30,000 now. He's a bigger favorite. There is 0% chance, in my opinion, that Brian Davis is going to buy the Washington Commanders. But I have more thoughts on that. I want to get yours first.
2: Well, I'm surprised that you were so confused. You see... I mean, from one of the answers I gave, what he described his company—he he created nine different LLCs
1: <laughs> yes. to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah.
2: Right. To keep it simple. Now, now, when somebody creates nine different companies, what are they generally trying to do?
1: Yeah, they're trying to—they're trying to hide a lot of stuff and get people yes. roped into a lot of different things. Yeah.
2: Yes, uh, but he was just doing it to keep it keep it simple. And as far as his past. He wanted to separate himself from his past because he didn't want his investors exposed to anything that happened in the last 10 years. (laughs) So he wanted to wipe out, wipe out his existence, you know, and basically like, like Michael, like Michael Scott walking out of his office and saying, (laughs) I declare bankruptcy.
1: I declare bankruptcy. (laughs) Oscar had to tell him it didn't work like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, but my yeah, favorite part, yeah. my favorite part,
2: was uh, when he said his intellectual capacity
1: is property. Yeah. Is
2: his intellectual property is my capacity to create a business model that my investors can see?
1: <laughs> exactly. What does that mean?
2: <laughs> I don't even know. Basically, it sounds. You know, I mean, I'm trying to think of of of, of a scam artist was basically saying my business is getting people to believe in my scam (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean this was this was it was it was it was comical it it, it was comical
1: yeah it was uh he
2: said he said the state he said you know as far as the stadium uh you know he wants to leave it in prince george's county oh they're going to build uh a river walk and a man-made beach.
1: Yeah, man-made beach.
2: Yeah, you know. I mean, the clo- it's the If the closest water, I think, is is the Potomac or, or the Anacostia. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But he said the state of the, the Prince George's County spent a billion dollars on that stadium. This is just this is either like re- remarkable stupidity or re- a remarkable lie. I mean, the the, the state. The state paid for about sixty million dollars in infrastructure.
1: You're talking okay. about in the in the mid '90s, uh, in the mid '90s to build it.
2: Yes, yeah. The county put up twelve and a half million dollars in infrastructure money. <laughs> wow. Cook paid one hundred and seventy-seven million dollars for the stadium.
1: Right. So the taxpayers did not fund the building of that stadium. Just the infrastructure, and no. it wasn't a billion dollars worth of tax uh, money. It was twelve and it.
2: a half million dollars. Wow. From the state of the
1: That Ohio, one, that eight one eight eight actually counties. got by me. That's funny. I wasn't even thinking about what the actual price was back in 1997 when they opened it or when they started to build it in 95.
2: Um, How can you take somebody seriously like that? You can't.
1: No. I mean, so. First of all, I mean, it was kind of entertaining because it really felt almost, you know, kind of like a routine or a bit there for a while. Um, Let me let me start off with the positive, because I was curious as to what he would say about his past. And while he didn't come out and do a mea culpa, he did say or, you know, imply that he made mistakes when he was a younger person uh and he talked about Sean Merriman and he talked about um Scotty Pippen and he talked about how you know that was you know a different you know Brian Davis and he didn't run from uh, his mistakes by hiding, you know, behind bankruptcy that he settled all those cases, you know, kind of implying that he paid everybody back. I have no idea if he's telling the truth or not. Um, there's no reason to take him at his word, but I'm not going to sit there and go back and investigate all of those things because all you can find, you know, when you Google his name, is lawsuit after lawsuit. Um, so. He did, you know, he essentially tried to separate Brian Davis of today with Brian Davis as a younger person who made a lot of mistakes, even though he didn't say that directly. He also really, you know, uh, played the I'm all for the DMV, but specifically PG County and black people. You know, I'm here representing black people and what's best uh, in the best interest of, of PG County. It almost was a bit suspicious for me as if, like, when he doesn't get the team, is this setting up for some sort of, you know, long-shot lawsuit as to why his bid wasn't taken seriously? I guess we'll, we'll find out, uh, you know, down the road here. Um, he talked about his love for the DMV and his genuine, you know, love for uh, the the people of this area and wanting, you know, he growing up a Where Redskins fan— um, where does, Wait, he where, does, where does he live now? I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. He's he grew up here. Because
2: I'm wondering if he lives in the DMV.
1: I don't know. No, that wasn't asked. Good question. Um, okay. But here's the bottom line: like he didn't answer two critical things that you kind of have to have like a good feel that he's telling the truth on before you could ever consider him to be a serious bidder for something that costs 6 billion dollars. Number 1 is he talked about again, you know, in circles and didn't answer his intellectual property being so valuable. He didn't explain why his intellectual property was worth $50 billion and why he's got $10 billion in his account that's all his based on the purchase of some of his intellectual property. We have no idea what that is. It has something to do with green energy, but there was nothing specific there. And then um, this would be the only thing, my only uh, constructive cr- uh, uh, critique of the junkies would be They never really specifically asked them. well, who gave you this money? Who bought your intellectual property, which we don't even understand what you explained. But let's just say that your intellectual property was actually marketable and it was marketable for this amount. Who paid for it? And did they buy it or did they give you a loan against it? How was it structured? Is this your money or is it debt that you have to pay back? Um, none of that was really cleared up. The only thing he said specifically is he's the only investor. You know, He's got partners, but they all funneled it into his account where he's going to have $10 billion, $7 billion to give to Mr. and Mrs. Snyder. $2 billion for you know liquidity um, purposes because I guess there's probably some back-end liquidity that you have to have per uh, the NFL uh, buying rules because you can't spend every last penny you have on the team and say, hey, you got all my money. I'm broke. You got to have yeah. some real money in reserve. <laughs> and then he said there's like another billion dollars for something else. I forget what it was. Oh, it was for um, stadium restoration because he's going to restore – uh, FedEx Field. Here, he's going to keep the stadium there. He's going to restore it. Put a. It's going to be a translucent, re- retractable roof uh, stadium with, yeah. you know, man-made beaches surrounding it. Um, but there was nothing there that sounded plausible. And then, if and then there was a lot there that you couldn't even decipher, because I think his part of his con, if you will is to, you know, just keep talking and throw in some buzzwords and hope that somebody's dumb enough to write him a check. And people have done that. You know, he must have, you know, in kind of a one-on-one ability, some ability to sell to a certain audience with, you know, some sales abilities, some charisma or something. I don't know what it is that he has that he's attracted big-time investors for things in the past, and maybe he's just not a good communicator. I'll give you know a small, tiny sliver of, of percentage to all of this is true, and he is legitimate. He's just not very good at communicating what it is that he uh, is doing and how he became worth all of this money. But no, I don't think this is going anywhere. Um, And he mentioned things like SPVs, which were really popular a few years ago. They were basically... Um, you know, new companies, shell companies that you would take public to raise money for a business that you hadn't decided what it would look like yet. Uh, you, you know, this was, you know, not, not necessarily the apples to apples equivalent of the roll-ups of the 90s, but um, they became very popular in vogue with people, you know, who had track records and they created these newcos, these shell companies and went out and raised a bunch of money. But those were very much... They were public companies eventually, and they were under the scrutiny of, you know, the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ and other places, the Securities and Exchange Commission. I can't imagine that he'd even qualify to uh, to run an SPV based on uh, his track record um, and his history. But uh, there was just a lot there that just was nonsensical, uh, somewhat comedic at times. I mean, it was entertaining to listen to. Um, and at the same time, you know, um, I just, you know, he claims by the end of the day, Bank of America is going to have all they need and the league's going to have all they need to know that he's got, you know, $10 billion in a bank account, seven of $7 billion of which is earmarked to buy this football team, and it's all domestic money and it's all clean and unencumbered, as he said. Uh, I don't believe it. Uh, no. I still, believe. No, I
2: don't believe it and as far as far as his, his track record, uh, which like you said, is, is is lawsuits and, and court cases, uh, you know, look, because somebody gets a second chance or in this case, I don't know how many chances, but let's uh, other the premise because people have said to me, well, don't you believe somebody, uh, can put their past behind and have a second chance? I, th- I do, but that doesn't mean they get every chance. There's some things, because of your past, you're shut out of. You know? I mean, it, it doesn't mean you're shut out of everything. But a second chance doesn't mean you get you get a bite of every apple that's out there.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really agree with that. Um, I think you know you can you can make mistakes and you can be given chances. Uh, I, I, I always want to pe- give people who have made mistakes who are honest about their mistakes and um, you know they they work and earn the right to deserve another chance. I want to you know I'm for giving those people chances. If what you're saying is there, he's entitled to chances, but not you know raising lots of capital to buy a business. Um, I I don't necessarily agree with that. I just don't, I think that this is his, you know, MO. I think there's a lot of smoke. um, There's no fire. um, There's, you know, somebody's compared it to kind of the multi-level marketing thing. I didn't hear that from him necessarily. You know, it's like, you know, look, if if, I want you to invest, but then I want you to go out and get nine people to invest and they'll get nine people and they'll get nine people. And the first people in will be able to cash out and, and 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 make money. I I didn't hear that description. I heard a guy that, you know, is a bit delusional or is sharp enough to understand that there's no chance he gets this but he wants to generate some sort of stature as a guy that you know, uh, made a bid for the Washington Commanders, submitted a bid on March 21st for the Washington Commanders. Didn't get the team, but my God, like he didn't get the Memphis Grizzlies back in 2006 or whatever year that was uh, when he and Christian Leitner and others tried to raise money to buy that team for a lot less money and they couldn't cobble together the money. I would be really surprised if he found somebody to give him $10 billion to put into his account for intellectual property. Now, a couple of other things real quickly. Um number 1 is, you know, there's uh I saw a lot of you discussing if he were a real bidder, he wouldn't be able to talk because there are confidentiality agreements. Look, you don't know what's in the confidentiality agreements. And Magic spoke. Magic went on the Today Show. Now, he may be able but to...
2: Magic, Magic didn't go on Today Show to talk about the bid. No, he didn't. He, he was well, asked about the bid.
1: Yeah, he, he went on to talk specifically about being a part of a bid and how exciting it would be if they got the team, yeah. but didn't reveal anything about the bid or um anything about the process and Brian Davis did uh, so there is a difference there i understand that um and there was one other thing that i wanted to mention oh what bothers me right now about all of this i still think josh harris i still think it gets done i think it gets done in time for you know the owners to maybe vote at, <clears throat> vote on it at the end of uh, you know, next month at the league owner meetings in Minneapolis. Even though my guest yesterday, Daniel Kaplan from the Athletics, suggested it'll take until August for everything to be resolved. And then I had this morning Mike Ozanian, who uh broke the news on the Harris uh bid in terms of what it's made up of. Um, and I'll get to that here uh, in a moment. <clears throat> you know, he um suggested that it'll be a while as well, but. Here's what bothers me is that everybody I've talked to, including guests on this show and on the radio, have suggested this has been a very unusual and awkward process because of the seller. Uh, It's very unusual that Josh Harris submitted the offer for perusal and approval, I guess, directly to the league, as was reported, reported, and multiple people have reported this, Uh, recently, usually that is sent by the seller. But, you know, the thought is that Dan isn't communicating anything to the league right now. So Josh Harris submitted that to the league. What's also unusual is this non-exclusive negotiating period. And I would ask, well, how long is that? And I've asked that, and nobody seems to have the answer on that. Well, Josh Harris isn't going to submit a bid, uh, reach an agreement with Snyder in principle uh, for a period of time of of non-exclusivity and just leave it open-ended. There's no way you would do that. I don't think you would. Like, allow him to shop the deal forever. Until when? I mean, because this apparently is an unusual thing as well, and nobody seems to have an answer. But I know that talking to people very close to the Harris bid... Dan's not been an easy seller, which is what anybody could have predicted, which makes yeah. w- moving forward a bit unpredictable. But if you just go on Josh Harris's bid being the only legitimate bid, what choice does he have eventually? Like, eventually he's going to get to, let me finalize this bid. It looks like $6 and... Um, the uh, the Forbes uh, writer, um, uh, Mike Ozanian, spelled out the particulars of the Harris bid, which is interesting. I mean, there are people on the Harris side, I think, that are revealing things about the Harris bid. I don't know if that's something that Josh Harris is thrilled about. But, you know, um, what Mike Ozanian from Forbes uh, suggested uh, or reported, not suggested, reported, The offer, and this is something that I talked about too, I I, I mentioned a lot of this over the last few weeks, Uh, the offer was for $5.8 billion with $250 million to be paid to Snyder over two years. Now, I think the details of that are this. $250 million goes into escrow. Snyder gets it as long as there aren't significant legal battles and costs associated with that to be fought after Harris buys the team. There's $250 million of... If one once we acquire this team, if we've got a lot of issues that we got to deal with which were not anticipated because of the things you did, well, that's what $250 million in escrow is for. If they don't use any of it, it goes to Snyder and the price is $6 billion. Um, there's uh, basically Josh Harris owns 30% of the team, or will. Mitchell Rails will own 12% of the team. So Basically, he's putting in $720 million, roughly. Magic Johnson's going to own 4% of this team, Tommy, which means he is writing a check for $240 million, something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that even though the percentage of equity he has will be on the smaller side, it's still going to be a massive check compared to the one he wrote for the Dodgers. It's amazing how successful Magic Johnson's been. And then there are another... Um uh there are another uh another 14 limited partners to go with Mitch Rails and Magic Johnson and they all have to get vetted and they're all in by the way even if you take another 14 that's 54% of the nut or somewhere around there uh, they're probably investing between two and a half and three billion dollars um, into this thing. So that was the news uh, that was reported yesterday by o- Ozanian and um, I still think you know Harris is gonna uh, emerge as the guy that buys this team because I don't see any other legitimate bidders out there with the exception of Tillman Fertitta, who admitted on CNBC a few weeks ago he did submit a bid for 5.6 billion dollars.
2: right. You know, uh, look. I've often I've often pointed to the, the thing that came out, in the testimony uh, before the oversight committee. One of the stories that came out was about Snyder being upset uh, with a real estate deal that he made with the Learners. He had one of his employees pour milk into the Learners' suite with the idea, by the time they started to use it for football season, there'd be a sour milk smell in the suite. So he's uh, he's probably not happy with any deal. Uh, And he's probably not happy. Well, we know he doesn't want to sell the team. So automatically, he's not happy. You know, so it it doesn't surprise me that there could be all kinds of of landmines along the way before this thing is finally signed off on. And they won't be from the league. They'll all be from Snyder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it's, a, it, it's awkward and uncomfortable and unusual, according to everybody, including people I've had on the radio and stories that have been written by a lot of the people that have been doing reporting on this. This is not the way it's necessarily done. And if you're asking or wondering if it should give any of us pause as to whether or not it will get done, I think it will get done because I just don't see any way Snyder could keep the team. I mean, again, forget the fact that there are financial issues and cash flow issues with the team, uh, which have put him kind of in this position to begin with. Can you imagine how bad those issues would get if he stayed? I mean, there would be nobody at the games. Nobody. Right. And the only revenue that would be coming in would be their one thirty second slice of the media revenue from the league and the league's media partners, and I I just can't uh, I can't fathom. I think that personally, I think they've all checked out, and maybe it's just Dan sitting on his yacht. You know, over in Europe, getting a you know a big laugh out of drawing this thing out and getting you know the Josh Harris group to commit to this non-exclusive negotiating period, and he can get Brian Davis all riled up and get him out there, and you know, and and maybe it's you know it's it's a hail mary here where he's just hoping that you know somebody'll up it a little bit at the end Um, because, like you said, uh, he's not happy on a deal unless he screwed somebody in the process. You know, you said that a few weeks yeah. ago. Um, anyway, anything else on this?
2: Nothing else that uh, I, I, I can think of. Uh, it's just, it just a bizarre piece of this whole story. Uh, and, again, uh, well, I tell you what, we'll all look like idiots if Brian Davis winds up the owner of the Washington Commanders, won't we?
1: Yeah, No doubt. Like, part of me was hoping when I listened to this this morning that I would hear somebody that said... I fucked up a lot in the past. I've got my life together. This is what I've done. I started this business. This business has grown. Um, you know, we took that one public. We sold this one, um, and now I'm working in this green energy, you know, field with Urban Echo, whatever the name is. Um, you know, we are a privately held company. But you know, here's our website, and here's you. You can see all the different things we're doing, and we've we've been able to like this real story like he was able to articulate a real comeback story. At one point, he said, this is my redemption story. Uh, Well, the redemption story can't be buying the team if you haven't done anything to earn the ability to buy the team. Um, Because I think it would have been incredible to sort of see uh if it were a legitimate deal how this thing would have gone back and forth for the next few weeks with the Harris group with him if he had been a legitimate buyer and by the way to have that kind of a story would have been kind of cool but you know my suspicion I think everybody's was going in we were going to hear a guy that didn't sound very convincing and in fact like it was so over the top unconvincing that I mean, anybody that's taking it serious at this point is a mark. Um, I you know, based on what I heard, again, I'll give I'll give one you know one one hundredth of one percent to he's not a very good communicator, and he didn't communicate the great position he's created for himself that it's going to allow him to be a legitimate bidder on the team. Um, I just don't see it uh, at all. Be wild though. Um, I don't. I don't either. All right, Uh, we'll finish up with some things when we come back right after these words. Oh, including my Hendon Hooker uh, piece of information. That's next right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
4: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The
3: headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better.
1: This segment of the show is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and they're going to give you a chance to do something most books don't allow you to do, and that is to cash in and cash out quickly. All you have to do is wager your deposit amount one time. So if you deposit $500, once you've made $500 worth of wagers, Hopefully you're up a little bit, you've got money in your account, you broke even, whatever it is, you're then eligible to cash out. A lot of places make you actually bet the – Deposit amount multiple times around. Uh, my bookie's giving you that chance to cash in and, and cash out quickly. Perfect for the NBA playoffs. Uh, as far as tonight's games uh, go, uh, look, the John Morant situation in Memphis, as they could go down 0 2 to the Lakers uh, at home, they are right now uh, pick them at my bookie with the Lakers. I don't like that game at all. I gave out Cleveland yesterday, and I gave out the under in the Clippers game, so that was 1-1 and on last night's. Denver's an eight-point favorite. They smoked Minnesota. uh, And Milwaukee, with a banged-up Giannis Attentacompo, is an eight-point favorite over the Heat. I actually kind of like the Heat again um, tonight, but I don't love anything tonight, so I'm not giving out anything uh, officially. Uh, not that I've done that in recent days, anyway. Um, mybookie.ag use my promo code Kevin DC. And look, if you're in and around Shelly's tonight, and you want to watch the NBA playoffs or Tommy the NHL playoffs, no caps. Uh, you can go into Shelly's uh, at 13th and F Streets Northwest and and take in a game and some good conversation.
2: Absolutely. Last night, that's where I. That's exactly what I did. Last night, and one of the things I always want—I want to make sure I mention to everybody—the staff at Shelley's is first rate. They go out of their way to make you feel comfortable and make sure you've got everything you need. It's—it's uh, it's maybe the best staff I've ever dealt with at a bar or restaurant. They're that good. Shelley's back room—they're
1: excellent. Um, so the draft is a week from tomorrow night. Hendon Hooker was one of the players in yesterday for his pre-draft visit in Ashburn. And Washington likes Hendon Hooker a lot. Now, I'm not saying that they like him at 16. I'm not even saying that they like him if they trade back, let's say, 16 to 26 or something like that, that they would like him there. But I think if Hendon Hooker's on the board at 47 in the second round, I think Washington will seriously contemplate selecting Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee, if he's there in the second round. I don't know if he'll be there in the second round. See, the benefit of drafting Hendon Hooker, if you really like Hendon Hooker and you need a quarterback in the late first round, is that you get the fifth year. You know, you get the fifth year option. If you draft him after the first round, you got four years to figure it out. And look, he's coming off an ACL surgery. Um, But I believe that the people – look, somebody tweeted me after I said this on radio this morning, and he said, so what, that they like him? Do you care what they think about a quarterback? I understand that sentiment. <laughs> I understand that sentiment point. completely. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I, by the way, I don't think they're the only team that likes Hendon Hooker. I think there are a lot of people that view Hendon Hooker in some ways in the same way Jalen Hurts was viewed. As a guy that is, you know, has great character, um, has great ability, um and is mature. Remember, he's going to turn, he's going to turn 26 years old at the end of next season. And I know that's a turnoff for a lot of you. I don't think it is at the quarterback position in the NFL for me. It isn't. Um, I, I wanted to also just mention before you you finish up with whatever you want to finish up with. So I had this guy, Mike Ozanian, on the show this morning talking about the Harris bid as he reported in Forbes. He's the guy, by the way, that's very much in charge of putting together those Forbes sports franchise valuations every year, you know, the, the top 100 or whatever it is, you know, sports values. Um, and he's a smart guy, and he gave me something that I've never heard before. It's one of the ways in which NFL teams kind of look at their business. And the, the revenue of their business, and they have something called revenue by fan, and it's a you know basically a, a dollar amount that's assigned to each fan that you have, that you know represents how valuable your fan is. And he said, you know, in Dallas, they get you know g- generate basically eighty four dollars per fan. Uh, for New England, it's fifty seven dollars per fan. In Washington, it's down to $27 per fan. And what that really speaks to is everything after the media dollars. You know, after you divvy up the 32nd, 132nd of the media and you get that piece, which every team gets, which is why no NFL team will ever go broke and they'll always make money. Washington's, you know, Profit number, operating income number, has gone down twenty five percent plus over the last five years. Uh, it's they're still very profitable, but they're at twenty seven dollars per fan. He said that's near the bottom of the league. Can you imagine what that would go to if Snyder retained the team? I mean, you wouldn't oh, generate yeah, anything it would, per it would, fan.
2: No, it'd be ab- absolutely nothing. Yeah, it'd be a disaster. And, you know, the disaster has been his M.O. Uh,
1: yes, it has been.
2: You know, that's that, that's the scary part.
1: What do you got to finish up the show? Anything good?
2: No. <laughs> I, can, I tell you what, I do. No, okay. I do. Good. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm going out again tonight.
1: Where are you going? What show?
2: I'm going to uh, Doc Walker's Proview. It's it's a great it's a great event if you're a business person or if you're a fan uh, to come out to it. Uh, it's uh, at Seasons 52, over I think at Tyson's Corner, and it starts at six o'clock. I'm going to be there. Doc obviously will be there. And until you've heard one of Doc's inspirational speeches, you know, you haven't lived. No. I mean, one of Doc's speeches, it's like you can put yourself in the locker room you know, of like the 1982 Redskins. And and imagine what it was like when Doc Walker hold, held court in those locker rooms. Okay, it, it's a great experience. So I recommend it to anybody. I'll be going there tonight.
1: Uh, Doc is the best. I mean, he is legitimately a motivational speaker, um, gets paid yes. to do that. Uh, he is the best of MCs. I talked about how great he was at the Touchdown Club Awards dinner um, last week. Um, So that's awesome. Um, One more thing before the show's over today. You know, I have um, a now, believe it or not, two-and-a-half-year-old English Bulldog. She is the love of our life in so many ways, beyond our kids, obviously. We love our um, dog. Her name's Lainey. She's just the best. And any of you that have... Experience with English Bulldogs, you know how loyal and loving they are. They're just phenomenal dogs I mean there are drawbacks, um, but she's a great dog So she started limping a few weeks ago. And so we finally took her um, We didn't know what it was and then we took her once and they said let's just try an anti-inflammatory and that worked for a while But she is is limping and she's got a torn You know ACL in her knee they x-rayed it, yes- wow. x-rayed it yesterday and she's got a torn, you know, I don't know if it's the anterior cruciate li- ligament or if it's, but it's some significant ligament. And so, do you know how expensive this stuff is? I mean, I, I was Well, born- here's
2: how I know it's expensive. I saw a commercial the other day for
1: dog insurance,
2: pet insurance.
1: We don't have pet insurance. I saw a
2: commercial on TV the other day for pet insurance. And citing the high costs of, of medical care for pets.
1: Tommy, we don't have it because bulldogs are hard to insure. And if you insure them, the insurance premiums are very high because they are dogs that tend to have medical issues you know, throughout their lives. But, my God, I need some advice. I don't do this very often. I need some advice from a vet on what we should do and what we shouldn't do so i need somebody to tweet me um just and that you know follow me and you know try to dm me and if not tweet me and then i'll follow you and you can dm me back but i need to find out how we should handle this because we want to do everything we can do to make sure that she you know We were told this is a significant operation. Then it's 12 to 14 weeks of recovery where you've got to be with her all the time because you got to take her out to go to the bathroom. you got to help. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'll do anything for her, anything. I probably will do more for her than I would do for myself or any other family member. But it is an absolute fortune. Isn't there, like, just a pill we can give her? For like $30, it'll make it all better. Somebody who is a vet, and orthopedic vet is where we're being told to bring um, her. Give me some advice because part of me is a bit suspicious, like we're going to be taken to the cleaners here. You know, I don't, want, I don't want Brian Davis to be my orthopedic vet at this point. I would prefer something else that seems like I'm not being sold a, a bill of goods.
2: What if he, he, what if you don't have the operation? What happens? Well, walk around no, with a limp. Yeah, I, we, I
1: can't have that. I can't. She 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 well, she actually can walk is and she, she can, whimpering? No, she's not is whimpering. She, she she's, doesn't appear to I mean, be no, in pain. What's the problem here? Because I because I'm not going to have her walk around with an ACL and and limp. She tends to limp more after she's been lying down. If she's been moving around, it seems to loosen up, and she's okay there for a while.
2: What are you talking about? <laughs> what? She's not in any pain that you can tell. She can survive with it. You know, I mean, she's, she's just two
1: a- and a half. I'm not going to have her survive a r- the rest of her life with a torn ACL. I want it fixed. Maybe it'll grow back. Don't they grow back with dogs? I don't know. Maybe that's. Maybe all, all we got to do is just wait 12 to 14 weeks for it to, to come back. You know, if we just wrap it up and, and give her some anti-inflammatories for a little while, maybe it'll just go away. I don't know. Tommy, I mean, Tommy, uh, I, I, don't even, I, I don't even want to mention what they told us the cost is. It's obscene. I mean, Well,
2: then, you, you, you've, got, you've got to have a moment of clarity here. I do? Okay? Yeah, you do. You need a moment of clarity about what you're talking about here. Look I don't it. I've had lots of dogs. I love dogs, okay? Uh except for this hound from Hell Beagle I had once. Uh but uh but I put I, I mean, you know, it walks around with a little pain and a little limp. You know, it's no. a dog, Kevin.
1: No. Kevin, I mean No, 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 no. no, no. I'm not having her walk around. That dog wakes up every
2: work. morning. That dog wakes up every morning feeling fortunate to have a warm place to sleep as food to eat. <laughs> you're,
1: you're you're cruel. No. Uh-uh. Anybody that has any information, uh, especially if you, if there's an orthopedic vet out there or just a mean, vet in general, that can if, give me some real you, advice on what to do here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm all ears. If you pay
2: to have a dog operation, I want to race.
1: <laughs> uh, trust me. If you knew the cost of this, you'd be coming back with your agent saying, "Look, this Tuesday Thursday thing. Uh, we might have to cut it back to just Tuesdays, unless we get a little more money." I, I, I mean, I choked when we were told what this, but we were told that hey, it's got to be, uh, it's it's got to be done. Anyway, all right, we're done for the day. Tim Murray is gonna uh, sit in for all of us, Uh, for me, for Tommy, the rest of the week. Tim's the best. Aaron will be helpful, I'm sure, as well. And then I'll be back on Monday and we'll spend all next week, I'm sure, hopefully gearing up for the NFL draft. Uh, But I'm sure there will be uh, lots of ownership news as well. Maybe we'll find out then that Brian Davis's bid has been accepted. Um, Have a great uh, rest of the week. I'll talk to you on Monday. So long, boss.